let's talk about this episode of Cultish. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the podcast where we talk about the podcast about the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I just, I was like, I didn't realize that, but um, yeah, this is and, the podcast. And we have our name of our bite-sized. <laughs> the, yeah. No, actually, I think that the, the <laughs> podcast about a podcast about a podcast. Um <laughs> I'm just gonna like one huge shout out to Paul. Like, thanks for throwing mm-hmm. that in that like that that thread, man. Like, uh, agree. Like, one hundred percent. And uh, mm-hmm. so this is a bite sized. That's really it's a podcast that's about a podcast that's about a podcast. I I I do love that, man. That's, <laughs> that's so good, so good. <laughs> When you well, said I'm, that, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I don't know if you saw the look on my face when you said that, but I was like, "Oh, like I was like, <laughs> I was like delighted." There was a little <laughs> bit of like, um, you know, a, a bit of a twinkle in my eye. But um, <laughs> so yeah, jo- um, Josh, Paul put this sort of, and we have a we have a text thread with him and uh, Wes, and he he threw that in there, and and I was like, okay, like you know, I was like, yeah, because we were sort of talking about like. The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill is like one of those podcasts that I think it had a really strong start, to be fair. I think mm-hmm. like the first like and and I think even in the cultish episode they talk about like the first three or four episodes, really pretty good. Um and there's a little bit of like you can see some axe grindy stuff and, and we've talked about some of it where uh, in the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, there are times where they, they sort of want to attribute things to reformed soteriology or polity or um theology and i'm like that's actually not reformed um mm-hmm. and right and i'm not going to sit here and pretend like i'm some sort of expert but i am an officer in the presbyterian church of america i'm a deacon uh, i have more than a passing familiarity with our you know with uh some of the creeds and confessions uh i am somewhat familiar with our book of church order and there's stuff and like and and a lot of the positions that are held. and it's not to say that everything that they some of the critiques that they leveled and stuff but i'm like dude there's stuff that you're calling reformed and it's not it's just it's simply not it Mm -hmm. was maybe part of the young restless and reformed movement and which mike cosper the the host of uh the the show there he is sort of he was very much a part of that he was part of the sojourn church network and stuff like that um so he's very much in that camp. And Mike Cosper is a guy that I have a certain amount of respect for. I think he has okay. written some really good books on narrative and storytelling in the church. Um, huh. It's been, but it's also been a while since I've checked those out. So don't, gotcha. I, my opinion might've changed in the, the, the uh-huh. years. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But sort of like our opinions on Driscoll himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because both of us just just laying it on out on the table. Both of us like used to listen to Driscoll, right? At least at least that much. I was I was a I would go so far as to say I was a bit of a Driscollite. Like okay. I was really impressed, and I don't know where it was for me. I think it was shortly after the song of Solomon stuff, I started to sort of fall off. And part of that was just like, I got involved with a church Mm -hmm. and I was convicted that I needed to be listening to. And this is before I was even like 
really like leaning into sort of Presbyterianism, but it was like, I need to be making sure that the pastors that the Lord has given me at the church I belong to and that I'm a member of, that I am giving them the lion's share of my attention. Like, you know, that, that they're responsible for, for sort of taking care of my soul. And so, and that's when I really started not paying as much attention to him. Mm -hmm. And, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, I think much to my shame in a lot of ways, I drank a lot of the Kool-Aid. Like it was, it was Mm -hmm. interesting in cultish. They mentioned the Nehemiah and the song of songs sermon series I remember okay. liking both of those, but then when they were talking mm-hmm. about them, I'm like, ooh, ooh, poorly done, Nate. Poorly done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I I don't have any um any uh history with either of those. You know, the 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 one like book that I remember listening through uh Driscoll preach was uh funny enough, Esther. And I really appreciated his his take on that as well. His take was basically just by and large, every character in this story is messed up. Jesus is the one who is like the, like the perfect character. No one else is perfect. Like everyone else is messed up. Like because when you think of Esther, you know, you think of Esther saving her people, which she certainly did. And I don't want to take away from that. But you also see her history, like. Like the fact that she was in the position that she was in, like, yes, it's by the grace, it's, it's God redeeming our sinful mistakes. You well, dude, know? And it was like, what's, what's so interesting about that too is like, yeah, Esther, like Esther's story, like she was a part of, um, what was the king? Was it, that wasn't Xerxes. It was, uh. Artaxerxes. Oh, yeah. it was Artaxerxes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, his harem. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And there's, I mean, like, I'm not trying to be perverse here and I'm not trying to read too much in, but there's a fairly strong suggestion that she had intimate relations with, with this man before being married to him as his queen. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. And so it's like there, it's like, yeah, train, we're all train wrecks. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. And with, with, yeah, we don't need to go too deep into that, but like anyways, I did, I did somewhat follow Driscoll. I appreciated him because I do think his preaching was kind of the, um, the best part about him is is what I'll say. Um, in hindsight, there's certainly a lot that like, yeah, I didn't pick up on things like that. Um, I did. I did listen through when it, when they released the audiobook of Real Marriage. I remember listening through that. Um, but I know he's written a bunch of books that are that are pretty good as well. I just haven't read. Dude, very much of like stuff. what's what's sad is Real Marriage. It like gets a lot of attention, and it's arguably like he and uh, Jerry Brashear. Like, and it's it's just sad. It's a, it's a book I don't recommend to anybody. Right. Yeah. But the the doctrine. It's basically sort of okay. a, mm-hmm. a primer slash like mini systematic. It's, it's excellent. Uh, okay. Like okay. on a very sort of like at least, and again, it's been years since I read it, but I remember it being very, very good. Nice. And I, the, actually the copy that I have is, was a gift from a friend. Mm. And so like if it, it was just something I had bought, I probably would have thrown it out by now just because I, yeah. I, I can't recommend it to anybody. But because mm-hmm. it was a gift, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll definitely yeah, hold on for to sure. this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's, that's our history. So yeah, like both I mean, of us come, dude, yeah, we're familiar just, with him. 
yeah, we both, I loved it, like, and I just like full disclosure here, like in a lot of ways, Driscoll was responsible for me re- for returning to the faith, like in mm. the way that like the Lord used him to sort of get a hold of my life. Mm-hmm. Now, and some of that was like really, there was some really like, we talked about it, like some really like, like I was... I was a hot mess when I came <laughs> came back, you know, to the faith. And like, you know, I don't know if we've ever talked about, um, and maybe sometime I'll just do a bite-sized or maybe sometime we'll just like sort of, we can do an episode where we just talk about like our histories and our, our testimony mm-hmm. and our, but whatever, um, that that's not tonight, but mm-hmm. I was like, I came back and I was a bit of a train wreck and there were some really like pretty, not great things that I took away from some of that stuff that, yeah, but, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I liked Driscoll. He was immensely useful for a long time. And Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's like one of those things where he got me asking some pretty good questions Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Which I mean, like, like the Cliff Notes version is people like I was, I was raised in a church, and I'm not trying to go, but I'm just sort of like saying, like, I've sort of like all of the major sort of religious Christian movements within the last like 30 years, I've probably been a part of. Um, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I was raised in the church. My parents were sort of like very focused on the family, sort of fundamentalist, like not quite. I mean, I've told the story about how they threw out all my magic cards and I was really mad at them. Um, mm-hmm. But I wasn't allowed to play D&D, things like that for a while. Uh, when I got moved out of the house, I rebelled. And from basically from the time I was like 18 to about 28, I lived like a pagan. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I if I went to church, it was because my parents... My parents were part of a home church for a while, so when I was visiting mm. them, I would do that with them. Uh, at that point in time, you know, I started getting into some of the emergent stuff. I was reading Rob Bell and gotcha. uh, Blue Light, Don Miller and those guys. Yep. I was reading some of that stuff. I was really sort of interested by the guys who were like asking these questions. Um, and then from there, it sort of moved into the Young Restless and Reform movement you know, on into yeah. to where I'm at now, which is uh again, an officer within the Presbyterian Church of America. So like mm-hmm. I've been like the emergent church, which is no longer a thing. Um I was part of that. Not in a major way. I was definitely part of the young restless reform movement. Like, you know, so I've sort of been through a fairly healthy chunk of American evangelicalism. Yeah. Um so, but it's, and Driscoll was very formative for me for many years. So that's just like, yeah, there's, there's, we, I have baggage here. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, the, the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill stuff, what, what was so interesting to me is I was really hoping to get a bit of, you know, and they, they sort of, I, there's a way to sort of come at that stuff and be like, yeah, voyeuristic and sort of rooting for people to fall. But I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted some answers and I wanted to hear some yeah. of the other side. And I like, you know, as someone, I didn't go to Mars Hill. I didn't, I just, I listened to his sermons online. 
I enjoyed the resources he helped. And I wanted to, so like what really happened here? And I, and I thought originally <clears throat> the, the rise and fall on Mars Hill podcast, I think started out as a really interesting examination and critique of celebrity culture and American evangelicalism using mm-hmm. Mark Driscoll as a bit of a, a case study. And it turned into, it did definitely turn into something else. Like, um, yeah, but well, well, and he's, I would, I will say, and I'm not, not to defend it at all. And I have continued to listen to the episode. So, yeah, so, I've, I've been keeping um, up with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he does the way that Cosper explains it is that since starting the podcast, he has received a lot of stories from people like wanting to share their stories. So I understand from like a journalistic standpoint that you would want to try and incorporate these stories in there. Um, but it is certainly one sided. And then like you've already mentioned, there are certain, there are times where it becomes much more apparent that there's something else going on here that it's not just they're they're making kind of spurious connections if that makes sense. Yeah. Um so it's it's funny you talked about Cosper and, and narrative and things like that cuz it's like, "Oh, okay." Cuz I can see that's what he's doing with this podcast mm-hmm. and and it's to to fit certain narratives that I'm not even I don't necessarily agree well, with. Well, and I think too even the way that Christianity today is sort of like there's that tagline mm-hmm. he where you talk about like the mystics and storytellers of the church. I'm like, "Uh-huh." <laughs> Yeah, get that out of here. Storytellers like, and sages. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, get that crap out of here. Like, dude, yeah. we don't like. One, nobody asked you guys to appoint yourselves as the sages. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. and I think you know the the cultish episode did a fantastic job of sort of saying like, yo, there's a lot of like, one the the guy that they brought on, and I can't remember his name, but he's a PCA elder, and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. And, but he's also <laughs> got it. I was like, heck yeah, heck to the, yeah. He was a member at Mars Hill for a number of years. He was on staff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, and then, you know, he has a fairly friendly relationship with uh, Jeremiah, the, the, one of the hosts. And, um, and they've known each other for a while. And, and you know what? I, I have to be honest too. I loved his take on Like, like, like he, he constantly came back to this, like, I want to be gracious. He's like, and I understand mm-hmm. that people are speaking from their own experiences and stuff like that. But then he did talk about sort of like the liberal slant of Christianity today. Mm-hmm. And like, he even sort of said that he's like, there's stuff in there that they're saying like, this is, this is because of reform theology. This is because of complementarianism. And it's like, no, you got an ax to grind. And mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and, and he would say, and again, he was probably a lot more gracious than that, but it's like, Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I appreciated his take and like, you know, and so this is a dude and he's like, I know the people that they're talking about. He's like, I've been to barbecues with us. Like those people were a part of my life for years. He's like, I'm still in contact with some of these people, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. um, there, there were a lot of things that, I mean, and dude, like one of the things that I really appreciated is he talked about like how, in so many ways, like the, the church culture, like the Mars Hill Ballard and all the different satellites, he was like the, the mega church itself. He was like, he was like that. 
he was like, wasn't really, he talked about how like Mark had stopped being his pastor long before any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It was really like the, the small group structure was what made those things sticky. Like that was what really bound people together. And he, he, I think he talked about how it was really interesting that a lot of the executive staff and like the, the media team, like the, the, some of the people that Cosper's talking to now weren't part of any small groups. They weren't Mm -hmm. part of any of the, and he's like, and he's like, and so now like, yeah, it's not a surprise to see them walking away from the faith because in a lot of ways they weren't tied to it the way that other people he's like he's like i thought it was really interesting and again it's anecdotal and stuff like that but um their guest and i i wish i could remember his name but it's very late and um, <laughs> and, and and for the sake of like just go listen to it guys it's you know like but mm-hmm. and he talked about how he's like hey the people who were faithfully serving and were in like community groups and things like that it's like a lot of them are still in churches in that area in in Seattle serving faithfully. He's like, have some left? Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that like they were, you know, they sort of called a lot of this deconstructionism exactly what it is. Like Cosper sort of wants to play with it a little bit. And like, he like, we'll, we'll definitely get to the Josh Harris stuff here in a minute. Um, okay. Yeah. But, um, like the, the, the deconstruction stuff where it's like Cosper, they would say, well, it's because of trauma it's because of abuse. And he's like, well, no, if they're legitimately leaving the church, if they're legitimately going apostate, if they're legit, they're going out because they were never part of us. But then, um, within that, I think it was Jeremiah might've actually, the, the host might've actually said this, but he said like part of what he sort of sees in this and, and once it's like that the American church has no or, orthodoxy of suffering and suffering well. Like mm-hmm. and and I was like for me that was such a resonant point. Like mm-hmm. where I was like, dude, no, that's exactly it. It's like all these people are leaving the church. So I got hurt. And I'm like, and like my response, like being sort of like the blunt sort blunt kind of guy I am, it's like, duh, that's that's what people do. We hurt each other. And like, that's going to happen in the church because even though it, we're, we're growing in sanctification, we're still train wrecks. We're still sinners. We are similar to peccator. And so like, we're going to hurt each other. It's what we do with that hurt that like is actually sort of one of the defining differences between the church and the secular world. Like the secular world right now, especially in our culture is using it as like, I got hurt. I'm a victim. Like. I'm going to like scream and rant and and shake my fist. And it's not to say like, listen, I I definitely think we culturally have a lot of work on dealing with abuse. Like Mm -hmm. we've, it's been, you know, it's just been coming, it's coming up because we haven't dealt with it properly or well. So like Mm -hmm. it keeps coming up, but so it's not, but it's like the whole, like the, the sort of elevation of victimhood as sort of some sort of like righteous mark of righteousness. Whereas mm-hmm. like, you, you know, for the believer, it's like, no, this hurts, this sucks, but ultimately God is good. He is using this to shape me into the image and likeness of his son. And I know that he has promised me that all things will work together for my good and his glory. And I'm going to trust in that. And I'm going to hold on to that. And I'm going to like, 
let that sort of like sweeten this a little bit. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't mean that what happened was good or that there isn't legitimate hurt. It just means like, I'm not going to allow this thing to become a defining moment. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Right. So yeah. I've, I've yeah. gone on and on and on. What, what, what do you, so what are your, some of your thoughts about the cultish stuff? Uh, well, one of the, one of the biggest things that, um, gosh, the, the, well, church word, whatever, uh, contemporary church word that resonated with me as I was listening to it was, um, and I think it was, I think it was the guest looking at the podcast, Tim Zion, I think was his name. Okay. Um, and, that sounds right. Uh, I think he said, I don't remember who said it regardless, but he said, but one of them said that the thing is with the podcast in general is that by and large, um, it does, it does point out some big problems, Mm -hmm. but its solutions are, are flawed you know, where, where it comes to those things. So you, so you see some of the things in the church. Yeah. Like the cult of personality, um, around Mm -hmm. Driscoll himself and how the church was built around him. Um, it points out, which is, is pretty, pretty damning, um, how he, you know, kind of bragged about how he wasn't really a part of any church until, until he started his own church, you Mm -hmm. know? And what, and Um, I think like, they in some of the things that Mars Hill has talked about is like the way that Mark has sort of reinvented his myth as like a self-made man kind of thing. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, so even if that isn't true, the fact that that's what he wants to project is yeah. Like project his history as is problematic. You know, and I know that's a, a tough word, but it's like, it's like this dude wants to be thought of like, I didn't, I wasn't a part of a church until I decided mm. to plant one and I'm going, but that's but that's wrong though. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you but, should have been, you but, know, like yeah, dude. Um, and that's part you're of the kind problem, of bro. It's it's kind of like almost undermining your authority as a pastor of saying like I didn't really follow you know scriptures the way that scripture lays out like being a churchman, you know, like actually um, being a part of the body of Christ and a member to a local congregation before I went out and started my like. I mean, sure, there are instances in which God can send someone, yes, but but I'd say by and large, like to be bragging about that seems, mm, that doesn't seem right. I mean, as somebody who came from the Young Restless Reform Movement into sort of just reformed them proper, like, I I mean, they they talked about like reformed and like more established denominations tend to move slowly. And it, mm-hmm. there are there are definite downsides to that, like mm-hmm. you know, but like there are also really good reasons for that. Yeah, and you, you know, yeah. and they they talked about like the fact is like I honestly believe that if Driscoll had been under like some godly like eldership leadership mm-hmm. and had really been like challenged and pushed early early on, I'm saying prior mm-hmm. to planting Mars Hill. Like they, the, some of the the character stuff could have really been worked on and addressed because ultimately, mm-hmm. what what led to Mark's downfall mm-hmm. is his character. Like I mean, like yeah. you know, uh, mm-hmm. Jared did a, a uh, he was uh, teaching on uh, Joseph, like part of his sermon series mm-hmm. was on Joseph and the life of Joseph, mm-hmm. and. You know, and, and like if, and again, like if you look at Joseph's life, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, 
the, a very gifted young man, incredibly gifted. I mean, uh, he was shown to have sort of like a prophetic, you know, he could interpret dreams. He had a, an amazing amount of insight. Uh, it seems like, you know, when you look at his, you know, from being sold into slavery to he goes and he's bought by Potiphar, he's running Potiphar's household. He is thrown in prison wrongfully and he's like basically in prison as a prisoner. He's the number two dude. You know, he gets out of prison <laughs> like and eventually he becomes the most the second most powerful man. And in some ways, maybe even, you know, whereas Pharaoh was the ruler, like Joseph mm -hmm. was probably the most powerful man in Egypt. This is an incredibly gifted young man. But like and the entire time, but like and it almost goes to show like. God was more concerned about cultivating the right character in Joseph mm -hmm. more than anything else. And mm -hmm. I think this is something, you know, and when we look at the qualifications for eldership and, and the diaconate and those calls is about character. It's, it's not saying yeah. that, and it's not even saying that these men are like perfect men, but that these men strive to be godly men. Like, and that's something that yeah. I need, I need to be challenged with often. And mm -hmm. like, I, I have to, anyways, and I just, I, it makes me sad because yeah, Mark is very gifted, um, mm -hmm. very gifted, but he, like there were some serious, there, there are some serious character issues there. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And one of the things that was, that was interested, interesting to me, and I don't mean to just take pot shots because again, I am still like, I listen to the podcast whenever it comes out, but I do try and be a bit more discerning. Uh, well, I mean, I'd say from the start, like I've tried to eat the meat and spit out the bone. Well, dude, you know, there I were mean, some things even early on. I think that, both that of us like, just yeah. don't really like looking at the source. Christianity right. today is not like, it's not like a, a trusted resource there. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to throw it out, but I'm mm -hmm. also like, dude, like you guys have been like kind of weird lately. <laughs> Yeah. Right, right, ex exactly, and so, and you know, again, um, you know, biases on the table. Like, I enjoyed Driscoll stuff when I was listening to mm -hmm. it, um, although, like, I, you know, from what I understood, well, like you, like you, I wanted to see if there were going to be any answers as to what actually happened, um, because from what I understood, from what I could tell, like that whole whatever happened when the church melted down. And Driscoll saying that he was going to be restored and then leaving, you know, a few months into that, like that just seemed like an utter mess. Um, and, and yeah, so, so of course I'm curious about that, but anyways, um, what I mean to say is like here lately, some of the episodes too, um, that, that I found, um, it was, it was one of this, the, one of the later episodes, they started talking about how like, basically drilling into how much of a shock jock that that Driscoll was and the question that it kind of leaves you with is like why didn't anyone come alongside him why didn't anyone call him out on what he was doing and as someone who was listening to his stuff later on in his ministry i didn't know who he was early on it was really towards that later period that that i started listening in mm -hmm. um i was like wait i remember lots of people you know, maybe if it wasn't like personally reaching out, like I remember Piper talking, you know, like kind of subtweeting him, if that makes sense, you know, writing articles about why you shouldn't 
do some of the things mm-hmm. that he was doing. You know, you know, basically things like that. Like I remembered there being a lot of controversy around the stuff that he was doing. Dude, in, I like, mean, as much as I circles. think John MacArthur can be a little bit stuffy, and mm-hmm. you know, I've got some issues with him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he was constantly looking at Driscoll and saying, like, calm down. Like, it's a, yeah, yeah, well, that was, I felt like that was kind of the general milieu was like a lot of older pastors were kind of just like, yeah, you need to, to like tone stuff down and uh, not outright, like, do, you know, don't listen to this guy. No, it was never like that. Well, but. and it's, so I think what I really appreciated about cultish and it's like, and again, this is a much shorter format, like too, it's like, mm-hmm. it was over the space of a couple hours that these guys sort of had a conversation about the entire run of this podcast. But they, I think they were a little more even handed with, and it's not to say Cosper didn't sort of address some of this, right? Mm-hmm. Because Cosper even said like, you know, early on in the ministry is early Mark looks much different than mm-hmm. later Mark. And now Cosper mm-hmm. sort of like, they talk about some of the breakout sessions and stuff like that. And I thought like the cultish guys actually, I really appreciate their take on that. And actually early on, Mark was much more gospel oriented. There was a lot of zeal, maybe not as much discernment or wisdom as we would have wanted, but there was a lot of like, this is a man who was enamored with the gospel and knew that it had power and knew that the, the really it was the only answer that mattered so like when he's like sort of like taking that dude on the 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 universalist and stuff in that in his breakout session and stuff like that and i mean i did appreciate that i was like yeah mm-hmm. but i think too they also hit on a point with like yeah driscoll i mean there there are a few guys here that even are a little more sort of like the shock jock for Jesus stick does nothing for me. And there are guys today okay. who are doing that same thing, who are like sort of provocateurs and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, I have no patience for you. Like, mm-hmm. because like, I think they said like, yeah, sometimes you need that voice. But if that's like, and they, they said it differently, but if that's the only trick in your bag, if that's the only tool in your kit, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, and that that was one of the big problems with Mark was like, it was always this like, I'm going to sort of like push the line. I'm going to say something a little like risque or provocative or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I don't think for anybody who was paying attention, that was a surprise. I'm like, mm-hmm. I was like, I remember sort of like constantly Driscoll sort of like being taken to task, you know? And Right, right. Yeah. I mean, as, as far as, as, as I was, you know, plugged into... You know, I've never been one to, you know, I don't know, read the headlines of whatever Christian reporting agencies there are. I, I don't know. But, you know, uh, amongst the people that I listen to, because like it was net for me, it was never Driscoll in, uh, I can't think of the right words, but it was never Driscoll alone that I was listening to. It was always, you know, Piper, Sproul, um, and Bag. I listened to a lot. And so, like, I just kind of so added you, Driscoll you, into I'm, the mix. What I'm hearing know? is that you listen to two really solid reform dudes with <laughs> R.C. Sproul and Alistair Begg. <laughs> and John Piper's eh, a reformed dish. Mm-hmm. And you still wound up a Baptist. I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm I mean, sorry. It's I'm by so- God's grace that uh, 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 you know that he still tolerates you. <laughs> I'm that I'm, too for sure. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, um yeah, yeah so, I just I couldn't it was like 
was like, I can't, I can't just low like, hanging fruit. I just go for it. Yes, <laughs> I had to. I had to. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and like he, like Driscoll was in a rotation uh, for me mm-hmm. too. Like, I mean, he was probably one of the primary voices, but mm-hmm. he was definitely. The, there were other guys I was sort of listening to at the time as well. Yeah. So, yeah. but it it was also, and and they bring this up in the cultish episode, which I appreciated as well uh, to get a better perspective. There was something about Driscoll that he was tapping into uh, something that I think the culture was really looking for. Um, a sense of authenticity, like almost that brash nature that he had was refreshing in an age of what what the cultish episode called this postmodern, I would say fatigue of mm-hmm. of being so wishy-washy and having someone who is very bold and able to give answers um felt very and and look there's a downside to that too i like i'm not don't hear me wrong but as someone who you know like grew up like an emo kid and wanted something that felt you know very Concrete real and, and not therapeutic you know it felt like solid it on. and it, w- it wasn't dependent on how you felt about it like you know mm-hmm. to sort of paraphrase i mean but you know the Ben Shapiro line facts don't care about your feelings. Like that, that Mm -hmm. was the mentality. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, like, listen, here's the thing. This is what the Bible says. And what you think about that doesn't matter because this is what God says. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways that's refreshing. And we still need to hear that. Mm -hmm. But there's also like, there's sort of there. I think there's an antagonism that it's very easy to fall into. Like where you're just like, it it constantly becomes this sort of like, we have to take our punches. We have to sort of like, we have to, we have to swing. We have to like, we have to turn everything into a battleground. And I'm, and I, I don't know. I mean, and again, I think we still see like pieces of that scattered throughout different like, you know, camps of reformedom and just the American evangelicalism. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I gotta be honest, dude, like, and and I'm and again I'm not trying to make this like a political like oh you should do this or like as far as the vaccine, but a lot of the stuff that I've seen not all of it, granted, but some of the stuff mm-hmm. that I've seen come out of some of these camps reminds me a lot of this like anti sort of authoritarian nobody gets to tell me what to and again I'm trying to be mm-hmm. I'm just saying like again some of what I've seen I feel like I need to stress this not mm-hmm. all of what I've seen. But some of what I've seen in regards to some of this stuff, it's just like, I'm like, dude, this is the same heart, the same spirit that I think for me personally, I'm like, I see a lot of mirrors and echoes from the Driscoll era Mm -hmm. where it's like, we're doing it right. Everybody else is an idiot, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. and it's, yeah, that very like, yeah, there's a time to sort of be like a little hard, a little, is that? Am I making yeah. sense there? Like, I, I, yeah, yeah, because because I think yeah, it, there was there was just a very and it, I hate to say like you had to be there. That's not what I'm saying. But you but it, did. But it was well, it it was a a reaction to a certain context. Mm-hmm. So so it was something that yeah, again, I feel like was needed because you were even talking about earlier how. This was the era of the emergent, I always get the terms confused, emergent and emerging 
I can't remember which was which. They were kind but, of the same thing. <laughs> well, yes, but one was a reaction to the other. Like, like the Driscoll bent was not the the super liberal. Emergent um, because, was the more liberal. If 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 okay. I'm if I'm emergent was like basically that's Brian McLaren, McLaren and, and Rob Bell and all Rob those Bell, guys. Yes, that's emergent. The emergent right. was sort of like the guys who sort of like were doing course correction out of some. Yes. Yes. And that, yeah, that was more like young restless reform stuff. So you had this, this landscape, which I, in, and props to him as well, as much as I can say that, um, someone like Rob Bell, I felt like was also capturing, uh, the culture in that he was asking tough questions. Yeah. I mean, basically, yeah, you can keep going back and back and back. Sorry. Um, I feel like some of the generations that came before us and maybe, you know, for whatever reason, uh, didn't equip our generation. Gosh, I don't mean to to, to like cultural Christianity. Like here's, here's, yes, there, there was a certain level where we were a Christian nation Mm -hmm. and it was sort of like, there was a cultural sort of Christian, a carnal Christianity that was sort of like you went to church because that's what everybody did. Not because it meant anything. And I think in some ways, guys like Bell and guys like Driscoll represented some people who were like, there's more than this. And it's not to say mm-hmm. that, and and again, I think you have to distinguish between sort of like broader evangelicalism and the more reformed traditions. And it's not to say that the reformed traditions were doing everything right at that time. I mean, uh, dude, like the, the PCA, PCUSA, OPC split stuff, like all of that stuff is like... There's, you know, the, the history mm-hmm. of my own de- denomination is like, not great. <laughs> That's the <laughs> nicest way of me saying it. Like, they, they, there were choices that were made that were not good. Mm-hmm. Um, but like mainline Christianity, like, and so it was sort of like you had a bunch of people. I mean, yeah, I Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell. It was a formative mm-hmm. work for me, mm-hmm. and like in the in in the sense that it asked a bunch of really important questions. Right, some of the answers he gave yes. were not good. Yeah, and even totally. even like and sort of like my my problem with Bell more and more initially started where because he asked a bunch of questions and he was like ah, the answers don't matter. And for me, I'm going no the the answers absolutely do matter like these are really mm-hmm. good questions these are really interesting questions we should be like wrestling with this stuff like why mm-hmm. does the virgin birth matter like you know mm-hmm. and it's like for and, and you know i would come like because like later on it's like well the virgin birth matters because only the god man can fully atone <laughs> For the sins of his people. And only the God man could actually, you know, drink the cup of wrath that was poured out on and, and, and accept the, 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 the wrath of the father for Mm -hmm. his people. Only the God man could live a perfect life that would, you, you know, redeem and restore his people, you know, like, yeah. And it's like, yeah. So, and, and the only way that we get the God man is if the Holy Spirit <laughs> causes mm-hmm. that. And right. Right. Virgin so birth. Nature isn't passed down. Important. 
you know? (laughs) Yes, definitely. And so like you could easily, like the critique could be, well, historic Christianity like actually answers all these things. Yes, it does. 100%. It does. But in that day and age, like, and maybe, yeah, it was just amongst, you know, the, the church that I grew up in that wasn't, that wasn't tethered to any kind of confession or creed. Um, you know, just like you mentioned the, the Christian, the like carnal Christianity, uh, cultural Christianity, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so that I, I felt like these guys were making an impact. They had a very unique voice in the culture and yeah, again, one that was needed sure in certain sects that was the one that i was a part of and so that it felt like the whole world right um and and so like you take the good with the bad if that makes sense yeah. you know that it's it's not all it's not all terrible there were reasons why these people you know became big names well, i guess is what i'm saying i think too- but it's also very fair to critique them and and i'm totally cool with that but yeah you want to like, do it in a fair way yeah Absolutely. Like, you know, don't be afraid to put these people under the magnifying glass. But I want to go back to something you said. You got to take the good with the bad. I think part of the problem for me personally, like just sort of like, is -hmm. that we have this really like, we forget that the Old Testament is full of, like you you brought up Esther and it's like, everybody sucked in that book. Hey, guess what? You look at the Old Testament and the New Testament and you know who sucks? (laughs) Everybody except (laughs) for God. Yeah. Like David, okay. And and I come back to this often. A man who was characterized like God himself said, This is a man after my own heart. And what did that fool do? He he was like, one, he shirked his duty. He he started Mm -hmm. a war. And he was like, ah, I'm gonna let my 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 people go and fight this war. I'm gonna like chill out in my palace. And it's like, yo, you're gonna pick a fight, you get out there, son. But he's mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna chill in my palace. He's like, oh, who's that tasty treat over there? You know, Bathsheba, why don't you come and hang out with me? And and it's like, oh, it doesn't matter that you're married. I'm the king. It's cool. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. and and I'm maybe being a little crass or whatever, but like, and then like she gets pregnant and he's like, yo, you know what? He's like, he's like, I'm gonna bring your husband back. And he's like, Uriah is like, no, man, like I got to go like my king. I can't, I can't. He's like, sleep with your mm-hmm. wife, man. Like, yo, it's like, he's trying to like cover it up. And it's like, nope, yeah. nope, nope. And then he's like, all right, this fool's not going to let me like sort of like get off the hook. He going to die. <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah. And it's like, and, and well, it and was like, he, he was also like, yes, that is, that is like the defining well, defining. I'm sorry. That that's like, not true. He's not defined by that sin. But it's but, like, that's uh, one of it, like it, the, that's like a big, that's a, a big turning old, point. Yes. Yeah. A big old freaking nail right there. Just like, boop, let's, let's stick on this for a minute. But he was also a terrible father. Oh yeah. To dude. all of his children. He was absolutely, and, and the, like you read, yeah, all of the Old Testament, there really aren't any good pictures of fatherhood in the Old Testament. They're all pretty terrible. Um, but David in particular was really bad. I mean, it, or just in the, in the sense that like none of his children seem to like look up, like maybe, maybe Solomon did, mm-hmm. uh, but Solomon was the child from Bathsheba as well. So obviously not that first one who died Yo, but, because of his sin, but it's just like it, it, he messed up his entire line. They were all infighting, all kinds of messed up stuff. Uh, 
so yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was the man who was a man after God's own heart. And so yeah, that I puts mean, it in perspective. Like, I but, mean, even wow. like look at Job, right? Mm-hmm. And Job, who, you know, like, look at my my servant Job. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, and like even Job at the end gets a little like whiny, like, God, why would you do this to me? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and of course, God, like, you know, comes down out of the whirlwind. Is like, you know, Job, I mean, he sinned with his mouth. And his heart, he's a little bit like, why would you do this to me, Lord? And God's like, yo, son, do I really owe you an answer? Mm-hmm. Nah, man. Like, yo, go put a hook in Leviathan's mouth, fool. Like, mm-hmm. you know, tell me what's up. Like, gird up your loins, son. Like, right. ask, ask me a question. <laughs> ask me a question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you some questions, fool. Like, mm-hmm. um, but it's like, and it's, I think... Part of the 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 issue, though, is like, and even looking at guys like Martin Luther and Calvin, oh, yeah. and all these other, yeah. they're like, "Ooh, Calvin burned Servetus." Well, okay, like one, like, and I'm not saying like that was justified or anything like it, but to be fair, um, Calvin kind of told Servetus, like, "Hey, if you come back here, our laws actually require us to burn heretics." Like mm-hmm. he was warned, and Servetus mm-hmm. was like, "I'm coming back," and it's like, "Dummy," like. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, um, that, that's not really on Calvin. It, was that law just or good? I, you know, that's a different question. And there were probably issues there with, with Calvin, but like you look at mm-hmm. Luther and his anti-Semitism. but like mm-hmm. name a man within the last, and again, I know, you know, 550 years who has been as influential on the, the church as Martin Luther or Calvin, John Calvin, like name a man. And it's like, you're not going to find anything, but these were men who were sinners just like us, but mm-hmm. the Lord sought to use them. I mean, even the disciples, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like, I think we, we have this sort of like bogus expectation that somehow like we're going to be sinless people or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, nah, man, like, like even as saints living in, in a world, okay, like Sin is the water we swim in, okay? Yeah. And we just, we, like, we, we live for and we hope for, like, we, we trust that someday we're going to be part of the kingdom where sin is just really put to death. And mm-hmm. it's, it's done. It's defeated. And it's like, we will live in ways where, like, his laws will be written on our bones and it will be a delight and a joy in, in a way that, we just can't experience right now, at least not fully, you know, but mm-hmm. I guess I just look at it and it's like, you know, there's that Puritan saying like crooked lines, the Lord, God uses crooked lines to draw or crooked sticks to draw straight lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need, we absolutely must come to grips with that. And we, we can't deify our hill our heroes and the saints right. and the people who have come before us. Yeah. We, we cannot, you cannot afford to make that mistake. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I would say, well, okay. Two thoughts. One is you mentioned the disciples. I was just reminded this morning about Peter and uh, some of the things in his story. And, and like, even after, um, you know, the Lord's return after Jesus, ret- uh, excuse me, not return. Um, after his ascension, uh, how Peter had the vision of the the animals take and eat, you know, how he uh, decided the Gentiles were, you know, like at, recognized God speaking and saying the Gentiles were, you know, invited into this covenant as well. Um, 
and you know how how he proclaimed that how you see him later also not wanting to associate with gentiles because of the pressures from of, the judaizers of, yes yeah and then stuff paul's like, like it's just like ah oh, man i love when paul's like, like and i talked to him face to face yeah, like, face to face yes called him like, out right. i it's like it, it almost feels like i lit into him <laughs> you know yeah like, i read right. that i read that the other night and i was like yo <laughs> paul tore peter off <laughs> yeah i got something to say uh, yeah. Anyways, so that, yeah, you see that even in the life of the disciples and there was something else that I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. You, you said you, we don't want to, um, to deify these personalities. 100%. The, the, the there are two cliffs we can fall off of, right? Mm-hmm. One is this cult of personality where we do tend to, um, deify our people you know i listed off the 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 other pastors i was listening to earlier you know sproul mm-hmm. piper beg uh driscoll and so like even this tendency lives inside me as well now i think it's fine to um recognize good preaching good teaching and and want to learn from that but you mentioned earlier how it is really important to make sure that you're plugged into your local congregation make sure that is your primary um, source because that's that's the spiritual authority that God has put in your life. Mm-hmm. You can learn from other people, yes, and amen, and praise be to God that we have the technology to to do that. Um, but your spiritual authority is th- those that God has put in place in your life. Because I mean, guess what, man? Like, and it, you know this, but like, who's praying for you? Who knows you? Mm-hmm. Or who should know you? Your mm-hmm. pastors, your yeah. elders, your deacons—they yeah. know you. Like they, they, they know your needs, like in as much as like, as like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. And the encouragement there is if, if they don't, then make yourself know, like, like, like (laughs) whether that's, whether that's you're at a church that's dysfunctional right now and needs to be reformed for lack of a better term. I had to to Um, look at a guy yesterday and say like, listen, like, you know, we're in the midst of like helping them through, through some stuff. And I said, you know. I said, you are family. I said, like, mm-hmm. and we we are your family. And we like, this is thicker than blood here, man. I said, we are bound by the Holy Spirit and the blood of Christ. I like, if you need something, you need to come to us. Mm-hmm. Like, do not deprive us of the joy of serving you and mm-hmm. your family. Like, do Good not. Stuff. Like, and... And like, you know, you don't want to be too hard on that stuff. Like, and there's a Mm -hmm. a point where like, like you definitely don't want to like step on somebody's toes and squash them. But like, yo, it's like, I'm going to look at anybody who's listening to this. It's like, listen, if you have a need and you belong to a church, you best be going there. And if you don't belong to a church, get to one. (laughs) Like, and like, because like there are two parts there's yes, there are the caretakers of your souls, your elders and your pastors. There are also the caretakers of your body, like in your physical needs. And mm-hmm. that's the diaconate. Do not deprive the elders and the pastors and the deacons of the opportunity to lovingly serve you. Hmm. Like, do not. Like I'm gonna tell you, as as a deacon, like you can get me fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it, man. That's yeah, that's good stuff. And and yeah, even spiritually like make sure that you're connected you know it's some churches it's easy to to 
go in and go out and not be noticed. Mm-hmm. And some people like it that way. That's not the way that the the body of Christ is, but you are a member of a body for a reason. And so, yeah, that could be awkward at first getting to know people. Um, but look, that again, that's the spiritual body that, that God has put you in. And whether that means I would not encourage people to leave your current churches. That's not something that, mm-hmm. that I would, no. but, but certainly you have to, um, Oh, I was going to say evaluate. It's not even you. Anyways, I'm just I'm just well, saying that's a need. That's a need. If you're as, at as a church and you're not growing, there are certain diagnostic questions that probably should right. be asked. Like, yeah. is it is it because I I mean sometimes you go to a church and the preaching's good, mm-hmm. worship's good, body's good, and it's you're not doing what you're supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it is you go to a church and it, that's just not where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And like, you should be like, as far as I'm concerned, you need to be kind of slow to pull the trigger on that second. Right. One. Yeah. Like, y- you know. Yeah. Yeah. There are good reasons yeah. to leave churches. I think a lot right. of people leave churches for bad reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like. Yeah. But. Anyways. I agree. Um but yeah, so so anyways, yeah, I, I had uh sorry, fell down fell yeah, down dude. a rabbit hole there. Good rabbit so hole. on the, the one of the cliffs is is that we have this cult of personality and we we do elevate these particular people to be way more than any man can can be. Uh the best of men are men at best, right? Mm-hmm. Um so you they're always gonna be flawed. I would say the other cliff and this is i feel like very prominent in our culture right now it's pushed very heavily with this just idea of deconstruction is that um there's an inherent well even mistrust you know you you can take that so far but the whole the whole point of deconstruction is to find flaws right and so um there is a a sense in which you can pick things apart so finitely finite is that the right word i don't know um well so that to to such a degree mm -hmm, you know like right just like yeah to to where like this person is all bad because of some things and and it's done in in ways i see it a lot um where you take a quote where you take one little thing that someone has said mm -hmm. and whether or not it was um, it was legitimately wrong, you know, whether, whether or not this person will own up to, to what was, what happened in whatever circumstance. Um, but you know, the, generally they're, they're, you know, a quote taken out of context can mean anything you want it to mean. And uh, anyways, I'm sensitive to this too, because I've seen this even with people that I respect and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Th- I've seen people try to, to slander them with one line of dialogue well, or something I think like that. A great example of that is sort of like some of this Genevan Commons scandal from mm-hmm. a while back. It's like there was like, dude, there's definitely some suspect crap going on in there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like so much so that a dude like, and I'm not trying to be a gossip monger. There was a dude who was, is in the midst of being disciplined by his denomination for some of his okay. behaviors in that. Um, okay. But there was also a lot of stuff where it's like they showed these screen caps and these comments sort of out of context. Some of those were just doctored and some of it was like, you you could tell there was like stuff where it had been like 
tweaked and played with and everything else. And it was like, it was meant to like tear down and destroy and be nasty. There was no corrective mm-hmm. sort of element in that. And yeah. um, it's, it's one thing to say like, Hey, here's, here's a problem. You know, we need to address this. Like, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yep. Anyways, that, that was my point is that you have to, you have to, and I think both of them kind of stem from this idea of like, you're either all good or all bad, <laughs> you know, like well, I only follow people who I agree with 100%. Well, I think, mm-hmm. but even part of that though is last. like, Hey, you, you know, like proper, a proper sort of understanding of the human condition is going to like, you're effed. Like you might want to, you might want to um, <laughs> edit that one out. And post. Edit, edit that one out. But like, you're messed up. Like, yeah. You, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, mm-hmm. not everybody, but a couple people. All, mm-hmm. every single person who has been born of of man and woman, with the exception of Christ, like, is fallen and in mm-hmm. a state of rebellion, active rebellion against a holy and perfect God, the holy and perfect God of the universe, the holy and perfect ruler of the universe, mm-hmm. right? And. Yeah. So yeah, if you have to, are are people good or bad? They're bad. <laughs> they are bad. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you, like this total depravity thing. Now that doesn't mean you are as absolutely like an individual is absolutely as wicked as they possibly could be. But right. What that means is that there is not a molecule of you. There is not a metaphysical aspect of you that is not somehow twisted or corrupted in and of your own power. Now, for the believer, for those who have been regenerated and saved by God, we possess the Holy Spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit. And in a way, we are pure. We are redeemed. Mm -hmm. We are righteous. Mm -hmm. But that's not because we've done anything. That's because the righteousness of Christ has been credited to us. And Mm -hmm. we trust in that. We trust on his name. Okay. We repent of the wickedness and of our rebellion. And we trust in Christ. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know how, like, but like, like people are bad. They're going to mm-hmm. do bad things, but it's, the problem is we have, and again, it, that's sort of the bad understanding of suffering and just, there's so much here, but yeah, it's like people are like, and like even the, the, the issue of like, well, like this person's good because I agree with them. I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. that's a terrible standard because <laughs> there are lots of people that I agree or like that. You know, if I'm being rational, if I and if I'm using the the authority of scripture, bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like yeah. And and I think too, like there is like the we there there are cats. You and I have talked about that. There are cats in sort of the modern reform circles that I just don't like and I don't think should be given any oxygen and everything else and blah blah blah. But I'm not gonna mm-hmm. sit here and say that everything that they've done is bad. Like, and if they did mm-hmm. And if I really believe they're a wolf, there's a way to handle that without yeah. being an absolute nitwit. And I think, I think some of what, just all of the Driscoll stuff has sort of been like, I'm, I'm going back to it. There was a dude, and I just mm-hmm. remember sort of like, there was a dude who was just like, when I first got on Twitter, it was just like nonstop, like Mark Driscoll sucks, blah, 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 blah. He needs to repent, blah, 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 blah. And in hindsight, I'd be like, Yo, I think that dude was probably right. <laughs> but mm-hmm. 
I remember like having some interactions with this dude and maybe I was just like being a butthead. Maybe I was just being like a stupid fanboy butthead. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember looking at this dude and being like, you know, and tweeting at this dude and just saying like, man, you need to find some other stuff here, man. Like it's mm-hmm. weird that like for somebody who like, you're like, he needs to repent. He needs to change. He needs to do X, Y, and Z. Like this dude is living in your head rent free, man. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like maybe you should move on. And uh, I don't know. It, it's just like, yeah, we need to, I think like, yeah, there's a, there's a way to sort of like confront these things, to call out these things and say, Hey, there are problems here. And if you can't, yeah. if you can't do that in a way that doesn't reduce you to basically a raving lunatic, like, and <laughs> that's not very nice. And I know I'm not being very nice. Like, but like, basically if you can't do it in a way that's reasonable and rational and sort of like winsome. Yeah. I'm even going to use that. Like if, if you can't, mm-hmm. if you can't sort of like question things without being like without being sort of like a little unhinged maybe you need to walk away from that for a minute not saying that Mm -hmm. you're wrong but maybe you got to walk away from that for a minute like Mm because you like like listen getting in people's faces and being like why don't you see this why don't you see this like it's not gonna do any good all it's going to do is like further alienate people. I mean, I was telling you about an experience I had recently where it's like there was a decision made and it was like in, in, in a group and it was like, like I saw people taking heat from both sides of this issue, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, and frankly, I was in the middle going like, both of y'all are stupid like you need to (laughs) knock this off like Mm -hmm. it's like this is a gross overreaction on both sides of this issue can we not do this please yeah like yeah but and i guess i just like i think too one of the challenges are you know sort of going back to the cultish thing and just wrapping up my thoughts is uh on this is like i really enjoyed the perspective like i was struggling with the the rise and fall of mars hill stuff because like there became like the liberal agenda and it's like you know when you're bringing people who i'm not trying to be like when you're christianity today and you're supposed to be doing sort of like a theologically astute investigative journalism kind of thing and you're bringing Mm -hmm. on people who just don't even share the same worldview to sort of like prove that mark driscoll was a misogynistic jerk or whatever and blah 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 yeah. like you've already sort of lost the plot mm-hmm. that the person doesn't really it's not to say that any sort of claims or arguments they make might not be valid but that voice doesn't speak authoritatively um it's you know but and i guess sort of like it's I don't know where I was going with that anymore, but, oh, no, I do know where, like, it's this, like, it was this, this, I do think we need to remember there are, there's always more than one side to these things. Mm -hmm. And while I appreciate the effort to try and sort of get some people, some different perspectives and stuff like that, I do think that, um, sometimes like there there are certain people we look at them and say, Oh, that's nice. Like that's nice that you have an opinion about X, Y, and Z, but because of your position here, 
you can't it's not like you can't be trusted but like you don't you don't have the necessary like your creden- your credentials suck sorry well yeah yeah i mean it's especially in in the cases that you're you're i th- i believe you're bringing up it's like you're inherently biased towards this in this specific issue one way or another and so like okay you know as as um you know as someone who uh just doing undergrad work but still writing papers um it's okay to interact with extremism so long as you have it on both sides and Mm. you can you know balance out both of those arguments to come to a conclusion, but when you're only doing so with one side and, and look, okay. Um, I consider feminist to be somewhat of a bad word. Okay. I know not everyone does. And so forgive me for, well, maybe that was too strong of a word. Um, but, but saying that just because someone claims to be a feminist and I know very dear people to me who would claim to be feminist as well. Um, just because I, I don't like that word. I don't like what it, what it stands for, what it means. Um, I'm categorizing it as an extremist, but I mean that just because you're given one side to, um, of, of the story. Yeah. If, if you get one side of the story from someone who, um, is openly heavily against uh, some of the ideas that, that were propagated here, it's like, like your bias is showing let's just sort of like there there was a woman that they brought on that i don't Mm -hmm. i do not believe that she was a believer she was openly hostile to the ideas of complementarianism Mm -hmm. like and so of course like she's going to portray you know complementarianism as some sort of like misogynistic sort of stronghold and again i'm not saying that those those things don't exist or that those threads don't exist but I'm saying like, one, that's not normative, but Mm -hmm. two, you have an agenda here. You have an ax to grind. So like, yeah, your representation of this is not going to be fair. Like it Mm -hmm. comes back to that James White sort of like, if your opponent can't recognize themselves in your argument, then you're not being fair to them. Right. Like, or, you know, it's that, that's a sort of a, a bit of a paraphrasing of what he said there. So yeah, but you want to argue against the best version of mm-hmm. of your opponent, right? The their best arguments is what you want to be addressing, because otherwise you're going to be addressing a straw man. And uh, yeah, I think too. So, and I know we referenced it. Let's talk just briefly because I got to start wrapping it up here too. But yeah, uh, it's late. Josh Harris. Hmm. So okay, I'll be honest. Lay my cards on the table here. I actually really appreciated that episode for uh, for understanding Josh himself, mm-hmm. but I felt that it had no place within that podcast. Does that make sense? Like, well, I actually liked hearing what he had to say. I just didn't have it didn't it didn't have anything to do with marcel i think i i actually uh tim zion or whatever Mm -hmm. in there said like he actually felt it was really strong he thought what was funny and it's sort of where i land is they don't see the irony in it but it's like you have this entire podcast series that's about like the cult of personality and you have a dude who's like 
so far invested in the cult of his own personality that he's like doubling down on his deconstruction and he's selling courses on how to deconstruct himself. Now, to be fair mm-hmm. though, too, mm-hmm. I think in that episode, one of the things I got to give Mike Cosper a little bit of credit for, right, is that he actually looked at Josh and said like, man, I, you know, I think you're wrong. I feel mm-hmm. like, it, like he did in a very like mild, gentle way, but he confronted Harris. And like he challenged mm-hmm. him to sort of he challenged him to repentance, and it, it was it was very mild. But I did catch mm-hmm. that where like he he looked at his because he knew Josh, and he looked yeah. at his friend and he was like, "Dude, like, stop!" Like you know, and he would he said it differently than I would have. Mm-hmm. Like I would have just looked at Josh and been like, "Pull your head out of your like not you, Josh, but Josh." <laughs> like pull your yeah, head. The out other of, bald Josh. The, the other bald Josh. The the one who <laughs> you know. Yeah, who is more of a hipster who than you are? Who kissed his wife goodbye? Who kisses? Um, anyways, sorry, like, that was a, that was a cheap shot. I'm sorry. Well, I'm just, yeah, but I mean, I respect it. Like, <laughs> like I probably shouldn't, but that was. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Um, you know, but like, I think like it's actually a pretty. It would be have been a pretty fitting ending. Um, to just be like. But like the the I think what makes it so sort of like weird is that they don't see the irony in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, you guys don't get it. Like Josh is sort of like his his stuff is like the outworking of all of this stuff you guys are talking about. Like mm-hmm. and I, I'll be honest too, I think like just a a bit of a critique, because I've I've spoken fairly positively, um is like they sort of talked about how like Driscoll was ultimately sort of like the ultimate outworking of a lot of Keller's sort of foundations mm-hmm. and stuff. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. And I am I am a critic of a lot of what I would call sort of like there's a very Kellerite strand of in church planners in the PCA. Um, okay. And I I know some I know a couple dudes who are like that and I love them. Like but like they're a bit of like they lean on Keller a little bit more than I I would, I, mm-hmm. I, you know. And it's I don't. It's like you got to take the good with the bad, and you throw out the bad kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. But it's like I actually think that Driscoll. There's there's another guy that I actually think Driscoll is the inevitable conclusion of this guy's ideology. But just to not poke a hornet's nest, I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that right now. Um, but, um, you know, so yeah, like, if this were a private feat, like if this were just the Brochachos <laughs> or something, I might be like, eh. But this one is, we are intending for this one to sort of go live in, in big feeds and free feeds. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of like hold my cards a little closer to my chest. If, hey, <laughs> folks, if you want to like guess, who does Nate think that Mark Driscoll is actually the outworking of his ideology? I might tell you, I might not. Um, <laughs> no guarantees there. Yeah. But yeah. Save it for the DMs, not for the public. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I like I the the stuff with Josh Harris too, and like Josh mm-hmm. Harris too. I think too was like it made me sad. Like, mm-hmm. and I think like right. Well, and that's that's what I appreciated about it was just like his story and hearing his side of things and the way that he's processed through things. Like, I don't know. I don't. Maybe I'm just too sensitive to that kind of thing. But even like listening to um back when Derek Webb 
deconstruct, whatever, deconverted, apostatized, apostatized, right? Yeah, that's how, apostatized, uh, apostatized. No, I thought, Man. I think it's apostasy because it's apostasy. apostasy. Okay. Apostatized. Okay. Anyways, when he, when he left the faith. We could just say departed um, from the faith. Yeah. There you go. Um, he started a podcast and I don't even remember the, the title of it now, but oh, yeah, was, you and I listened to a couple episodes of that. And I would, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking because it's talking about like, just the, like people would call in and just share their stories of walking away from the faith as well. And it is like in one way, I think it's good for me to hear, to hear people's experiences to hear the things that they're hung up on, you know, to hear the the issues that they're wrestling with and that have caused them to walk away. Um, but it's also just so hard to listen to because like you, you hear the confusion, you hear the, um, the, the pain <laughs> and, and, and frankly, you hear a lot of immaturity as yeah, well of, yeah. of the things that they're unable to Absolutely. come to grips with that are answered. Like, God has all the answers. Like I know that sounds trite, but if if he really is the creator of the universe, like yeah, and he's the source of all truth, then yes, even in a in a in an epistemological way, <laughs> he does have the answer um that that you can't find anywhere else. And and the the so anyways, I appreciate again, I I liked the episode in the sense of I liked hearing what was going on in his heart although it was hard to hear um but it it also in the in the narrative of the rise and fall of mars hill it's like this guy had nothing to do with driscoll and his ministry and or very very little yeah right they had like some interaction but but it, it 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 felt like you're just kind of dredging it up. Why? Like it, yeah. Well, it didn't feel like it had any place. I think the way that they tried to do it was like sort of as offer up a justification for the deconstruction of faith where, and I'm saying we don't need to do that and you shouldn't have mm-hmm. done that. And it's, and, and again, it's sort of an ironic sort of thing where it's like, dude, like you guys don't even get it. Like, like you're trying yeah. to like talk about this, like cult of personality crap. And I was like, that dude's still like, he is still shilling his That's cult the of personality. That's only reason anyone is listening to him, mm-hmm. right? They didn't get just some, so they didn't get someone who left Mars Hill and deconstructed their faith and, and talked to him. They got Joshua Harris, well, the name. You know, like, I, I, like they honest, went man, after that. I have like almost no respect for Harris at this point. Like, I probably don't have any. Well, no, because like he's just a total shill. Like, he's just mm-hmm. a total shill. Like, hey, like you want to deconstruct your faith? Like, you don't believe this anymore? But you know, it's like even with the like the crap with like the deconstructing the purity culture crap and like like the the repenting of the I kiss dating goodbye stuff. Like, okay, you screwed up like move on, but he's got to turn it into a platform. He's got to turn it into a new cause. He's got to like market Mm -hmm. it and spin it and all this other crap. And I'm like, nah, dude, like, and it's like even sort of like circling back to Driscoll. It's like, what you need to do is shut up and sit down. Like, Mm -hmm. and I like, honestly, I think about like the, the, my issue with Driscoll and it's like, like this is became like the point for me. It's like, he should have been when, he should have submitted to church discipline. 
He should mm-hmm. have submitted to the discipline of the elder board. He should have gone through that process. But because he fled that, and that's what he did, like, let's make no mistakes about that. Like, I don't care. Like, he was like, I'm going to do this. And he was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to go plant a church. And he was like, God told me. And I'm like, bull, bull. Like, I'm going to like, and that's when I was like, you have thoroughly at this point in time. And it's not to say that he is beyond sort of, you know, being restored. I, at this point in time, I would say like Driscoll should never preach again. Like, should like mm-hmm. just flat out should not be a pastor, should not be allowed to be a pastor. He is not qualified. And it's not to say mm-hmm. that he's not, but like this man has thoroughly disqualified himself because he fails to understand one of the principal tenets of leadership, especially within the church, that we do not lead through sort of gifting or power. We lead through service and service to the king and service to his people. Like that's how we lead. We we lead through self-sacrifice. We we lead through self-denial. We don't lead by being in front and running our gums. And it's like, mm-hmm. and Driscoll doesn't get it. Yeah. And yeah. it's just sad. And yeah. like Harris doesn't get it. Like, I mean, like Harris makes sense for mm-hmm. me. Like, I'm I'm like, no, it makes sense. It's just like not the sense that they were trying to make. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah, it like exemplifies it all the more. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a it's a really poignant exclamation point, boys. It just goes boop, like da da, like hey, <laughs> like prime example here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but all that being said, like listen, folks, it, like go listen to that episode. It's cool. Um, mm-hmm. Like I and frankly, I think you should probably listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill too. Like. Don't be afraid to sort of like wrestle with some of the uncomfortable stuff in there and like, yo, spit out the bones, like be a discerning adult. Like, I'm not saying like, Hey, you don't want to listen to it because you don't want to like contribute to that. Hey, I like the the, the clicks and all that other stuff. I get it. But I'm Mm -hmm. saying like, there's some stuff in there that isn't all bad and we shouldn't be afraid to engage that stuff. I'm yeah. Like it would be interesting. I don't I don't know that I would necessarily recommend it to someone who has no like former association with Mars Hill yeah. at all. Don't do it as Does just that make like sense? A, don't do it to just be a weird voyeur like kind of like Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 trying to put myself in the shoes of that person and it's like to try and understand what the church is about it's difficult for me to recommend it as like, this gives you a picture of what Mars Hill was like, because now, especially after listening to that cultish episode, it's like, well, no, it doesn't seem like they're giving a full picture. They're just pointing well, they out sort some of, of the issues. They hint at some of it, but like, then yeah. they're, they're also real quick to rush past a lot of that. Cause they'll talk yeah. about like, well, good things happen. And there were a lot of people who like, right. But all mm-hmm. this other bad stuff happened. And it's like, eh, well, yes. okay. Yeah. And how does the bad happen in the midst of the good? And 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 the cultish episode like goes into how like, well, the leadership of the church wasn't practicing what they preached, basically, about uh, being a part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of boils one of the points that they made. I felt like kind of boiled down to that is like, yeah, there was no accountability amongst the the – I guess upper echelon or like media team stuff like that that had to be constantly on call. Um, it was only a requirement for congregants, mm-hmm. which is weird. 
weird. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. But um, well, it's it's yeah. a there, it's a division, an unnecessary mm-hmm. division because it's like it's a, a good for thee, but not for me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, man. All, All right. right. Cool. Hour and a half bite size. Yeah.